Go into any one of your lower end restaurants. I mean the family things, the family chain kind of restaurants. Go into any diner. Go into any place where people obviously eat two out of three meals a day in cheap restaurants because they don't have to cook because it's fast and easy. And the food's not half bad in a sense. I mean, it's not as bad as Taco Bell. But it's still garbage food. You can't eat intuitively when you live like that. It's impossible. If you ask a person within the first, say, three or four days of an intuitive food shift, it doesn't matter what it's to. It could be veganism. Vegetarianism. It could be ketogenic. And you ask a person like that, eating like that, to shift... They're going to tell you that the food you suggested tastes like garbage. And the reason is their taste buds are dead. They've been desensitized, polluted, twisted upside down. Addictive. Addictive metabolisms based on the foods in these foods, the chemicals in these foods that addict you to them, will not allow you to enjoy a ripe vegetable. Do you even know what an autonomic nervous system is autonomic nervous system now my regular listeners do but the question is is your autonomic nervous system in balance so what you need to be asked what needs to be ascertained what your physician needs to determine is whether you are running sympathetic dominant or not all the money we put in this year to drug design research Money into new medical technologies, new sophisticated forms of genetically designed tax to supposedly better our health. And no one gives a rear end about the auto. You're growing a brain tumor. You've got an autoimmune disease. You've got low back pain you can't get rid of. Anything you've got comes down to number one, above all, the autonomic nervous system, stated plainly, stated like we'd stated if we were having a beer in a bar. Do you know how to relax? Sure you do. No, you don't. And that is more on the plate than ever before. I think everyone agrees with that. Are we more stressed than we were 100 years ago? <laughs> you bet we are. Stress? Are you kidding? Who's not stressed? And it's getting worse. And what it's robbed us of is any sense of what it really feels like to relax your body. People know what it is to say, I'm stressed, I need to relax, blah, blah, blah. This has nothing to do really with what I'm talking about. When I say relax, look at your kitty cat. Look at your doggy dog. When I say relax, I mean look at your animals and how they live. Make no mistake about it, unless your dog has rabies or it's been beaten to a pulp in its childhood, unless your dog had some tragedy happen, your dog and cat know how to relax. They pop out of the womb, their parents teach them, and they hang on to that the rest of their life. They live to balance themselves through their nervous system.
Living to balance yourself, knowing how to truly relax is no different than saying staying in tune with the mother vibration from the earth. The earth's vibration is set at a frequency to keep your body in parasympathetic balance, autonomic balance. It means when you put your feet in the earth at the beach, what's coming out of the beach, what's coming out of the sand, what's coming out of the earth at that beach is designed to keep you relaxed. Animals live in that. People don't. Animals do. People don't. If you're online in my hospital and you come up to me for a physical exam, before you leave, I'm going to tell you, if you don't balance those nerves, you're looking for trouble and you're close to trouble. I'll tell you that. That's real insight. Anytime you watch people get sick, invariably, it's preceded by a good, healthy year or two or three or five of bad stress. The relationship between stress and disease is legion. Guess what? If you want to turn it around, if you're sitting there with your symptom, your disease, your whatever, and you really don't know what it means to get back into that zone, forget about curing your disease. You do not have cure. Your symptom does not go away. If you cannot address yourself neurologically, but I mean with gravity. I don't mean take an extra day off from work. I don't mean walk around the park. I don't mean have a glass of wine with music at dinner. I mean something substantive. I mean starting to really hit that deep level that you haven't experienced in many, many years. I'm talking about that breath that uh, occurs, say, when you haven't seen someone in a long time that makes you feel safe and you give them a great big hug and they give you a great big hug because you're both so glad to see each other and you feel so safe in her arms or in his arms that you take this interesting breath. It's this deep breath and you feel all the stress come out of you. That's what your dog is doing every single day, every single minute. That's what your cat is doing. That's what nature does. That's what a balanced society would teach its citizens what breath really means. One of the things I learned in my journey over 25 years is the importance of keeping the breath open. And when it's open... And it stays open. It's like a massage. Every single breath. Each breath relaxes you. It allows you to take on more of what you want to take on in your life. It is a creative experience because it opens you up in that it allows you an optimization. Your biology of the cell is dependent upon an open diaphragm. Why? Because when the breath is open, the dural tissue of the brain is stretched. Breath stretches the dura of the brain. Any of my shows I've done on breath 
talk like this. I've done three or four shows over six years now. We're into our sixth year here. And any of the shows I've done on breath, I've done three or four or five, I'm always talking about it. So if you're online at my clinic and you come up to me, I want to get a good sense of if on the overall you're balanced in the autonomic nervous system. Can you, do you experience a deep state of relaxation each and every day? And for the most part, do you live there? I'm also going to want to know, can you bring the exercise of breath to that balancing of the autonomic? Breath is a tool. And as the belly goes out and the diaphragm comes down and the thoracic spine arches, as the rib cage expands, as the occiput separates from C1, it pulls the dural sheath of the brain from the brain right down to the sacrum. Yes, I just said a mouthful. That is systematically what comprises breath. All too seldom do I see people that understand it. All too seldom do I see people that have the experience of it. But your doggy dog does each and every breath. Have you ever noticed when your dog yawns, something kind of funny happens after the yawn? It shakes its body to the tail. Do you know what that is? That's a neurological discharge of stress. The animal is using breath to release stress all day. Structural stress. That means in the Rolfian perspective. I'm referring to Eider Rolf. That your body from head to toe is a bunch of blocks. And those blocks include the bones from your skull to your heel bone. And attached to those bones, attached to those bones, encased in those bones, are the organs. And if you look at your body from head to toe, you can break it down into different levels. Each level is a block. And if those blocks don't align through the right lines of gravity, if the stress lines that occur from stacking up the weight of the body from the heel to the head, from the head to the heel, if those blocks are not aligned correctly, your organs get crushed. There, I put it to you in black and white. You want to live with compressed, twisted organs? You want to live with an arterial supply, a venous drainage, a nerve supply, a lymphatic drainage. You want to live with the conduits, the highways in and the highways out of your organ systems. If you want to live with those highways shut down, twisted, and going nowhere, lose your alignment. You're just innocent. You think you're going to get out of this by fixing your symptom. It doesn't work that way. That's the way allopathy works. If you want that, go to an allopath. But if you want out the right way, you don't treat your symptoms. You add to your health. I'm always harping on this for good reason. We as a nation have generally drank the Kool-Aid. Just because you go to a holistic practitioner doesn't mean you haven't drank the Kool-Aid. You are still living in a symptom-oriented mentality. 
And that's partly the responsibility or partly the culpability of the holistic industry. It's selling you herbs based on fixing your symptoms. Don't do that. Use herbs to build your health. Build your health, forget the symptom. Build your health, forget the symptom. Build your health, forget the symptom. If you build your health and you forget the symptom, you're going to start to look at health a very different way. So along the way, as you're building your health and you've forgotten the symptom, you start to crave certain foods. You start to crave certain foods. You start to eat like a pregnant woman every day is a new adventure with food because your body's shifting constantly and you're picking up the sensors. The sensors are going to the brain and the brain is telling you, eat this, eat that, don't eat this, don't eat that. The truth is, your food choices are infinitely variable. They change all the time. They change every day or they change every year. They change according to something we just follow. We do not impose. Get this one straight. Unless you're in a daily process, unless you've got a real understanding functionally, meaning you're doing something about it, of what it means to shift the alignment of your bones, increasingly as the clock ticks, are you twisting the supplies in and out of your organ systems. So number three on the list, on the list that could go on and on and on and on, is do you have a sense of how to shift the posture of the body? And of course, to do that, you have to know how to stretch. And along with a similar myopia is this delusion that we can learn to stretch from a video that stretching is something that we've all done and that when we do it the motion of it means it's been done and of course this is the myth of it you are not stretching in your yoga classes you are not stretching in your Pilates classes you are not stretching off Fred's video you're not stretching off this little group thing you do with the YMCA you're not stretching just because you bend over to pick up a pencil you're stretching when you can feel the difference between stretching the muscle and taking the stretch into the tendon. And then after you take it to the tendon, you're stretching when you can feel the joint decompress with direct respect to the stretch. And when the joint decompresses, you'll feel the shift in your posture. That is when you're stretching. That is when you will change your posture. That is when a 60-year-old will begin to stand like a 40-year-old and an 80-year-old will begin to stand like a 60-year-old. There is an art and a science to shifting the postural alignment. And its benefit, amongst many, its benefit that I cite is that you're decompressing the organs. You're opening blood in and blood out, lymph in and lymph out, Nerve flow in and nerve flow out of the organ that one day may succumb to illness. So number three on the list 
is do you have a sense of what it is to shift your posture? Do you understand the art? Do you have the experience of the art and science of the stretch? Can you bring the stretch to the tendon? Can you bring the stretch to the joint? And can you feel the postural shift that you'll experience when it's done correctly? What foods do you choose? Number four. I want to know if you're eating intuitively. Sure. You're eating intuitively. I want to know what you're craving. To crave is to first clean your palate. There's no such thing as craving anything. People will say, yes, I'm craving. I'm craving heroin. Yes, I'm craving. I'm craving cigarettes. Yes, I'm craving. I'm craving sugar. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about those of you who have cleaned your palate, gotten to the point where you've been off sugar and junk so that a piece of fruit tastes like a piece of candy. I'm talking about cleaning the palate to the point where the various taste sensors on the tongue are clean and sensitive, not desensitized with all of the drugs we make. The caffeine and the sugar and the cigarette smoke and the secondhand cigarette smoke and the this and the that and the other thing. No, I'm talking about like what food tastes like after a fast. What food tastes like after a fast. You know what I mean when the palate becomes alive. So number one, you have to have the palate clean. If the palate's clean and you've worked correctly with your health, the intuitive faculties start to cause you to make your food choices. I don't know what it is, but I'm craving butter. I'm craving meat. I don't want to look at meat. When you start to eat daily like a pregnant woman, when you start to make your food choices like a woman makes her food choices when she's pregnant, when you start to eat like a child, children, finicky children are not finicky. Do not attack your child because it eats the way it wants to eat. Generally, it's eating from its gut, which you're doing a great job of destroying. Generally, parents force foods down kids' mouths, and kids know. Animals, children, pregnant women know how to eat. They eat intuitively. Animals stay connected. Children are born connected and then are disconnected. You're just innocent. You think you're going to get out of this by fixing your symptom. It doesn't work that way. That's the way allopathy works. If you want that, go to an allopath. But if you want out the right way, you don't treat your symptoms you add to your health. I'm always harping on this for good reason. We as a nation have generally drank the Kool-Aid. Just because you go to a holistic practitioner doesn't mean you haven't drank the Kool-Aid. You are still living in a symptom-oriented mentality. And that's partly the responsibility or partly the culpability of the holistic industry. It's selling you herbs based on fixing your symptoms.
Don't do that. Use herbs to build your health. Build your health, forget the symptom. Build your health, forget the symptom. Build your health, forget the symptom. If you build your health and you forget the symptom, you're going to start to look at health a very different way. So along the way, as you're building your health and you've forgotten the symptom, you start to crave certain foods. You start to crave certain foods. You start to eat like a pregnant woman. Every day is a new adventure with food because your body's shifting constantly and you're picking up the sensors. The sensors are going to the brain and the brain is telling you, eat this, eat that, don't eat this, don't eat that. The truth is, your food choices are infinitely variable. They change all the time. They change every day or they change every year. They change according to something we just follow. We do not impose. The detoxificatory routes, the detox chambers of the body. Are you patent detox detoxificatorily? Big word for does the bile flow? out your body concept if the bile doesn't flow if the kidney doesn't flow if the lymph doesn't flow if the blood doesn't flow if the skin doesn't flow if the colon doesn't flow if these various highways out of the body do not flow patently the buildup in the space between the cell will hit a critical mass level that will force the cell into malignancy, apoptosis, or senescence. That means disease is an adaptation. Disease is an adaptation. Disease is simply your body trying to adapt to the filthy sewer that you soak it in. Could it be that Medicine just comes down to common sense. Come on. All those institutions, all those geniuses, all those credentials stacked high, and are you trying to tell me that disease comes down to aligning your structure, opening your breath, living intuitively? Come on. It ain't that simple, Jack. Don't focus on your symptom. Focus on your health. That means focus on your breath not your symptom. That means focus on your sleep, not your symptom. That means focus on your intuitive sense, not your symptom. That means focus on whether you're stretching into the tendon, that you're capable of pulling open the joint, that you can feel increasingly deeper and deeper postural shifts when you stretch. Focus on that and not your symptom. Come on. Am I making this up? I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. You want insight? There it is. You practitioners out there, you chiropractors and doctors and therapists that have clientels, get on your people. Don't worry about hurting their feelings. Just say it nicely. Don't worry about the herb and what they're going to do with it, the cleanse, the herb. 
Don't worry about anything. Teach health. Get on the case of your client to look at health the way they must look at health to dig their way out of the hole they're in. That's what we have to do collectively, all of us. The flush is an exercise in priming your relationship between you and your body. Your body's giving you responses to the flush through the autonomic nervous system. The body's giving you responses to the flush mediated through the autonomic system. Can you listen to that? Can you hear it? Can you interpret it? You know, every time I do a coffee enema and I get that green spurt, I can think more clearly. My neck loosens up. I did an enema today. I know that enema was useless because I didn't get that yellow-green fluid coming out of my body. You see, each flush has dimensions to it. So Dr. Medici's comprehensive health exam for 2018 includes have you evolved to relationship with the flushes? Because you know what's on the other side of that? You know what's on the other side of relationship to the flushes? The ability to discern which flush to do when. Once you develop relationship with the flushes, you begin to discern the ability, the knowledge, of when to do what flush. Your body will tell you whether you need to hit kidney versus liver gallbladder. Your body will tell you that you need to hit the colon. Your body will tell you you need to hit the lymph. Your body will tell you you need to do the pancreatic enzymes. Your body will tell you you need to greatly increase the enzymes that dissolve the fibrin. Notokinase, seratiopeptidase. Your body will tell you how to navigate the cleanse if you're listening to your body. So if you're at my hospital, on my line, I'm going to ask you what flushes have you done and what were the results? And why do you do the flushes you do when you do the flushes? Because you hear some guy on the radio say it's a good thing to do because there's a two-for-one special on the flush? Or because you've evolved yourself over a year or two to the point where you can feel the benefit you can feel your body telling you it's time to cleanse my colon or not. Too simple, I know. Too right at the tip of your nose, I know. You want to hear that highly scientific stuff that's been studied at the CERN lab in Switzerland or something, something that's really meaty that the literature supports, the literature, that the team of scientists stacked 100 feet high are all getting behind. That's what you want to hear, I know, because you're in your head. You're completely and totally in your head. You're not in your body. And the more educated you are, the more in your head you are. Here's the bottom line. If those excretory routes, the biliary system, with bile and bile sand, the kidney, calcium oxalate, calcium phosphate, uric acid. Yes, you need to cleanse those. Yes, you must have experience with those cleanses. Why? Because 
Before you have a kidney stone, you have sand. Before you have a gallstone, you have sand. That's a microstone. We all live in a state of microcalcification. We all live in a state of microsedimentation. We all live in a state of microprecipitation. All of us. That's what it is to be an organism, to be alive. We're all creating small bits of sediment. That's normal physiology. And those bits of sediment will cling to the pipes before those pipes exit your excretion. The colon, the kidney, the liver, the biliary system, the skin, the walls of the arteries, the joints will all have sediment stuck to the tissue. So if you're online in my hospital, I want to know if you're fluent if you're friendly, if you're simpatico with the cleanses. Now, the standard myopia here, of course, is you've done the cleanses, but you get no result. And you don't know you get a result. You just do the cleanses. You do the coffee enema. You drink the olive oil. You do the doctor's kidney flush. You do a colon cleanse. But you have no sense. You haven't attached the effect of the cleanse when you're online in my hospital and i ask you have you done the cleanses i ask you what the results were when you do a gallbladder flush a liver flush i ask you do you see that green stuff come out the yellow green stinky stuff do you notice that you're more flexible do you notice you digest better? Do you notice after five months of flushes, is there oil on your skin? When you do a kidney cleanse, when you urinate, does it hurt? Does it burn? Have you felt the kidney sand coming down the ureter? Did your joints inflame? When you do a flush, do your joints inflame? When you flush the kidney, did it make some ankle ache? Did it resurrect your gout problem? You see, the flushes aren't worth their salt unless the patient develops a relationship with the flush to tell the patient how the flush is effective, if the flush is effective, if it's getting increasingly infective. It's not just you do it and it's done. It's you do it and you live. Can you skip breakfast? and lunch, and not eat till 4 o'clock in the afternoon, and feel reasonably good? Simple question. You're online at the Medici Clinic. It's 2018. Here's another question for you. Can you skip breakfast and lunch and last till the afternoon? Well, if you can, what that means is you're regulating your blood sugar. If you're still regulating your blood sugar correctly, and if you're not, hundreds of bad things will happen to you. But if you're regulating your blood sugar, if you're regulating your blood sugar correctly, on any given day you can skip lunch, skip breakfast, and not even get too hungry till 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. 
But how about those of you who skip breakfast? And by 10 o'clock in the morning, you've either got a headache, you're nauseous, you have no energy, you're on the floor shaking, you're about to go home because you're sick. If you're like that, you're not doing too well. If you're like that, you need to work for your health a lot more. If you're like that, it means your body cannot at any given moment convert its fat to ketones and then let the ketones feed the Krebs cycle. You can't go into ketogenesis easily and fluidly. And you should be able to. Unless you've been running your insulin so high and your blood sugar so high for so long. Even if it's not the blood sugar, it'll be the insulin. When you're secreting insulin because you're eating incorrectly and you go off those carbs or you fast, your body's not going to handle ketosis in rapidly enough time. One of the standard indices of health is to be able to skip a meal. Even better is to be able to go into a fast. When you hit the point along the way where you cannot on a given day wake up and not eat that day without getting extremely sick, yeah, you can get a little tired, a little hungry, a little irritable. But in any given moment, if you can't stand up go out into the backyard and pull a a weed out of the grass. There's something wrong with your health, and it's generally around blood sugar regulation. Regulating your blood sugar today in American society is one of the most critical things you can invent.